So let's uh, open up our Bibles to 1 Peter. We're going to continue on in our journey through Peter's letter. And we address each verse as it comes with the situations we find ourselves in. And so this wasn't uh, any uh, passage that was necessarily picked for this particular time, but it certainly applies as uh, how relevant and realistic the scripture is. And if we would just continue to uh, submit and apply scripture to our life on a day-to-day basis, God will guide us. God will give us wisdom. God will give us insight into life. So we come to this section, as I introduced last week, and I know I have a lot of thinking to do and a lot more thinking to do about this whole section. As as Peter comes, he's given us in the beginning, he identified who we are as God's elect, God's chosen, as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation, as people belonging to God. And then he begins his instruction, practical, down-to-earth instructions and how now we're going to live. How are you to live as a Christian? How do you live out this life as a Christian in your experience, in your workplace, in your relationships? And so in, uh, we've come to, I'm going to start with verse 11 of chapter 2. And just read to the end of chapter 2. And then kind of just give an overview. And then step into today's message. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires that war your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as a supreme authority Or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Slaves, submit to yourself. Submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under a painful, the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, 
we had a great discussion in uh, uh, men's Sunday school this morning, and it just kind of fed right into the topic we're talking about in First Peter. And I want to, first of all, I want us to give you just some questions to ponder. And maybe you've already been pondering some of these, but just some things to think about if we think about this passage. And that from now on, Peter's going to use the word suffering about 12 more times. He's going to use the word submission four more times. He's going to tell everyone to submit to governors. He's going to tell slaves to submit to their masters. He's going to tell wives to submit to their husbands. He's going to tell husbands in the same way to love your wives and be considerate to them. He's going to tell young men to submit to older men. And so here's the question, one of the questions. Why do you think God asks us to submit to authority structures? Okay, just ponder that. Why, why do you think God asks us Christians and instructs people to submit to authority structures? What makes submitting to one another so good for us that God would tell us, not only here, but he tells just Children, put to your parents so that it might go well with you. Do you think God's interested in cramming us into a little corner? Or is God interested in conforming us to the image of Jesus and the likeness of Jesus, whose example is spelled out here that we're going to come to? But what makes submitting to one another so good for us? And as we talked this morning, who, who likes to submit? Who runs to submission? Who who enjoys submission? I don't think the human does. But we are, are rebels who have been recaptured by a different king. We've been reconciled to the right king. And rebels who are in the remaking process, the renewing process, It's interesting, God never told his disciples to resist being arrested by Jesus. He didn't tell them to resist being arrested, but he, they did go to jail, and then God opened the doors to let people out of jail. There must be something very significant about entrusting ourselves to our faithful creator and continuing to do good, as it says in chapter 4, verse 19. And that, there's a two verses I noticed as I was reading through, and I try to keep reading through the sweep of the book. Uh, chapter 2, verse 23, and chapter 4, verse 19, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly, talking about Jesus, and that we would continue to entrust ourselves to our faithful creator and continue to do good. So in this idea of submitting, it's the idea of a willful giving up of your rights, willful giving up of something of, uh, of ownership, of allegiance, of something very core to your person and your being in a willful way to submit and cooperate with higher authority. And in this sense, Jesus committed to his father. He, committed, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And we're to entrust ourselves to God. So this submitting, Scripture seems to point out that submitting 
and suffering to one, suffering for one another, suffering uh, with one another, and submitting to authorities. It seems to point out that God highly values this attitude. God highly values this. This um, I don't know if I, the right word is concept more than it's a, a way of life. That as a Christian, you have come under authority. If indeed you are a Christian, you've come under authority. God is your authority. You are no longer in charge of your own life. First John 5 will tell you that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. When a person becomes a Christian, they pledge their allegiance to a new Lord, a new Savior, Jesus Christ. And then they learn, and I learn, we learn how to cooperate to a new authority probably the rest of our life. And throughout our life, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to submit to Christ? What does it mean to be allegiance, under allegiance to God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and his word? In places where everyone lives across the land, across the world, Christians all over the world live in different uh, systems. We talked about that. And so when he says submit yourself, it's not just willy-nilly. There's a, a conditional clause there. He says, for the Lord's sake. Romans 13, we're not going to go there right now, but it should be a passage you're familiar with. At least you read it once in a while. It says, submit yourself to all authority because every authority that's in place has been put in place by God. Three times in six verses, it says, authorities are put in place to be God's servants. That God has in, in and whether they're good authorities or bad authorities, only submit to good authorities and don't submit to bad authorities. It just blankly says, submit to those who are in authority because authorities are put in place by God. Christians are people who live under authority, first and foremost, the authority of God, then the authority of any government wherever they live, wherever they travel. It was interesting. I was just thinking about this, and I'm, try I'm constantly trying to think of ways that I can say an illustration that would help point out what this is trying to help us understand. I'm an American citizen. I enjoy very much the privilege and freedom to cross the border to our neighboring country to the north to go fishing or to go hunting. And since I'm up there as an American citizen, I recognize I don't have to obey Canadian rule. And I tried to explain that when we got pulled over for speeding. I said, the, uh, the, you look at your odometer, and uh, what's that called? Yeah, speedometer. When you go out to your car, you will see it says kilometers on there. But that isn't something you automatically know that 50 kilometers are different than our 55. Look at it and see what it is. So you try to explain that to the officer. I'm an American citizen. I didn't know your rules. And he will remind you very kindly that they're posted on the sign right there. And they're on your dashboard. And then you look with a blank stare and say, how much do I, where do I, where do I pay the fine, sir? Um, 
So we're subject to the laws of the state we live in and the laws of the communities which are within the states we live in themselves. And they're subject to governors and representatives which carry out the different branches of government. We're not free to do as we please. Anyone who deals with his own self in this knows you're not free to live any old way you please. Children are to be in subject to their parents and in subject to their teachers, in subject to the principals. And so we can't just live any old way we please. So one of the reasons God says submit to authority is really so that it doesn't just end in chaos. That it's just not complete mayhem everywhere we go. Otherwise, what we see on our screens, because it's not in our immediate community right now, but you don't have to look very far or travel very far to find complete mayhem where they're no longer submitting in any way, shape, or form to the governing authorities. It's anarchy, it's riots, it's arsonists, it's, it's troublesome. But we're not free to do as we please. And uh, we'll realize that quickly. You can't just live any old way without submitting to God's rule in your life. And so the young people, you're learning, you submit to your parents because your some parents are under authority of God and they're trying to direct you and teach you in the way. And the two learn, I'm not my own ruler in the sense that I can decide for myself what to do. I'm under authority. The quicker you learn that, the better life will go for you. And so obviously there's parents, just like there's governors and governments and places on earth that are evil and they promote evil and they, they rule with tyranny and, and without justice and without mercy and without kindness and without love. That's why there's qualifiers, as it says there, for the Lord's sake. And there's times where we would stand up and we would resist. And even children, if uh, your parents are leading you into sinful behavior according to the scripture, you may have a time to resist. And you may be invited by the Spirit of God to resist your parents who would lead you into evil. But that would be on a person by person knowing the scriptures, submitting to God and dealing with the situation as it comes in hand. So it would have been easy. I was pondering this thought. It, it, it has been easy as you study throughout history for some individuals and some people to say, I only submit to God as I define him. So your rules don't apply to me. But the true God of Scripture is wise, and he knows the hearts of men. He knows the hearts of humans. So he himself said, submit to authority. Governments exist. It tells us right there in Peter three basic reasons. For the protection of life, property, to repress evil, and to reward good. Governments are, are ordained by God. He's the ultimate authority. And it's interesting, even back in Exodus, he told Pharaoh, I raised you up. Pharaoh, who was killing the babies. 
Pharaoh, who was enslaving her children, God said, I raise you up for this very purpose, so I may show my might through you. Jesus said to, to render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and he told Pilate, you would have no authority over me except what is given by God. And that Jesus said, and this is something very helpful and important for Christians to remember, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. You are aliens and strangers. You are subjects of a different kingdom. But we live, wherever you live, if you're a foreigner, wherever you live, you're also subject by God's rule to submit to the authorities of the land, to submit to those who are placed by God in authority over you. So we're instructed by scripture to submit, to obey to the authorities and governments put in place by God to rule. Now it's interesting as you read down when he says in verse 15, for it is God's, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the talk of foolish men. I've been that foolish man at times. Let me just give you a couple ideas. I don't like rules for myself. I like getting faster to a place than the posted signage on most occasions. I'm not saying that I'm speeding every time I get in the car. What I'm saying is I always seem to want to be there faster than I'm going to get there by obeying the law. And I'm so, what's the deal? Is the law the problem or is there something in me? Is there, is, am I impatient? Could that be possible? Am I late? Could that be possible? Am I, do I not plan well? Is that possible? So I don't like rules myself, most of them. I like keeping extra money instead of paying taxes, but just for those who are listening, I do pay my taxes, okay? But so you, you think about what that looks like. I like being free from all the rules when I'm hunting and fishing. But if somebody else is taking advantage of the rules, ooh, I don't like that at all. So I, I keep asking myself, is there, is there a bigger picture here why God is asking you and asking me to submit in relationships, I think about even Ephesians 5.21, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Is this submission out of reverence for Christ for the sake of God, is this submission going to conform me and change me and meet me right at the point of my will in many places in my life? You know what? It does. It meets you right at the place of the rub. I think about when Jesus said to Paul when he's on the road to Damascus, why do you keep kicking against the goad? There's this struggle. There's this battle. I want my way. I want when I want it, how I want it, why I want it, where I want it. And there's some rules to life. And I find myself resisting that. But 
When he says there in verse 15, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Here's some of the ignorant talk that I've been a part of myself in my younger days. None of the rules matter. They're all stupid. Let's just live by our own, our own rules. And the, you know, when the teacher leaves the classroom and the classroom turns to mayhem, those are the students that are saying, you know what, I'll live by my own rules. I'll make up my own rules when they apply to me. And unless I'm under the watchful eye and I know that I'll get in, in immediate trouble. Ignorant men. Who needs the government telling us what to do? Who needs the police? Let's defund the police. Who are you going to call next week when you're the one in trouble from the intruder? By doing good, you can silence the talk of ignorant men. Imagine the dentist or the surgeon. The, the dentist says, you know what, I can get a lot more people in and out of the office if we don't spend 20 minutes sterilizing this equipment. Just go ahead and use it. They're not going to know anyway. So you follow somebody, and they're using the same tools in your mouth that they just use on somebody else because they say, you know what, I don't care about the rules. Or the surgeon, they don't sterilize. I mean, is there any doctors in here at this point? They don't sterilize any of the equipment or the room, and you're following a surgery. Surgery, you're next in line. They didn't bother sterilizing any of the utensils. They just used to suture or open somebody else up. I'm glad there's some rules. I'm glad there's submission to authority, and God knew what he was doing. He's the original one who spoke order out of chaos and begin to bring things in line. This is the God we're talking about. This is the God we're dealing with. This is the God Peter's saying, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to the authorities. And there's going to be ignorant men, and that word men is generic. It means women too. There's going to be ignorant people who say rules don't matter. Just do whatever feels good. Do whatever you want to do. Maybe people, Peter was already preparing us and he said, listen, uh, abstain from the things that wage war against your soul. That's step one, because the next thing I'm going to ask you is going to be submit to the authorities. And the next thing I'm going to ask you is you're going to get a job. You're going to have to submit to your employer. The next thing, there's an interesting, intimate relationship coming called marriage. You're going to have to submit in marriage. I was joking with myself this week. I said, okay, all you husbands, you go home this week and you tell your wives, honey, the Bible says you're supposed to submit to me. And I thought, I'll see you next Wednesday with a black eye. Um, we understand. We can understand in the big picture. That's what we, I think scripture keeps inviting us to do. There's an order by which God rules the universe. Can you imagine the sun? If the sun got to the horizon this morning and it said, you know what? I refuse to shine today. The, the stars in the universe are in order because God is a God of order. He put things in order. So submission is part of that. I, we could say hey, we, we obey the laws of any state, country, county, because we obey God. 
God put authority in place, and therefore I do not need to know all the reasons for each law. If they're not going to ask me to do something immoral or something against God, I don't need to know all the reasons why I would have to do something if the authority structure said do this. Anarchy, it's rebellion. And as Old Testament says, rebellion is as the sin of divination. If there's an order given by an authority, and I want to be careful, and I'm using generalizations. If a parent tells a young kid, go to your room, pick up your toys, get ready for dinner. And what's usually the first, if not the second word out of the kid's mouth is why. Okay? Because I said so. So there should be an obedience there that begins to be trained in because you're going to have to cooperate and submit the rest of your entire life. So God's training them, training us up from when we're wee little kids. Part of life is submitting to one another. Part of life is cooperating in a community in order for structure, for health, for, for joy, for peace. And, you know, he does come to the end of that section where he says, finally, if you look at verse uh, 8 of chapter 3, finally, all, all of you live in harmony with one another. You're not going to live in harmony with one another without submitting to authority, without submitting to one another, without submitting to the rules of your employer. So those are things that are very interesting. Silence the talk of ignorant men. It's God's will that by doing good, that means submitting to some of the structures that are in place. Structure and ignorant men say structure doesn't matter. Submission doesn't matter. Cooperation doesn't matter. Rule and order, government, they don't matter. Chaos will quickly ensue. Governments exist in every form, in any form, basically to punish wrong and to commend right. They exist to protect life and property and freedom. Ignorant men say who needs rule. My heart, my mind, they say that. So I, I say, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me know what this means in my relationship with people, with my community, with my government, with my Lord. Ignorant men are among those who live in a free country and they burn the flag of that country. They live and reap the benefits of citizenship and then they pick which rules to follow as citizens according to their own whims. It's interesting. I just, when you look up the word ignorant, sometimes it will point you to Ephesians chapter 4, read, and it says this, Ephesians 4, 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So we silence the talk of ignorant men, and sometimes that's ourselves. The ignorant Many saying, I don't need to 
uh, submit to you. I don't need to um, consider you. I'll just do my own thing, my own way when I want to do it. That's ignorance. Verse 17. It says, oh, I don't want to miss verse 16. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Beautiful section of scripture there. Paul said something very similar in Galatians 15. He said, you, my brothers, are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge a sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. First Corinthians 10, everything is permissible. Everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God. Even as I try to please everybody, he goes on in verse 33, chapter 10, 1 Corinthians even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfishness or empty conceit, but can, with humility of mind consider others as more important than yourselves. So when Peter says, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, it's just as another reminder, you're responsible for your attitude and your actions in your relationships with other people. You can't just do whatever you want. You live as a free person when you're willing and able to, so, to submit yourself to what is right and what is true as defined by God, not by the sinful, broken self. That's where freedom is. Verse 17, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God, honor the king. So there's people in different relationships that we owe respect to. Not necessarily, now let me get this straight in my own mind. People are made in the image of God. Sometimes people hold positions of that should be a respected position, like a teacher, like a principal, like a, a lawyer, like a, a uh, community leader of a mayor or a governor. And that particular person may not have the morals or the character which scripture would hope that they would have, would invite them to have, would instruct them to have. But it still says, show proper respect to everyone. The brotherhood of believers, fear God, honor the king. So how you and I show honor to people that may be rude, belligerent, disrespectful, not have the character or the, the grounding in truth that we might hope that they have, we're still instructed. Show proper respect respect to people. Show proper respect to the 
position they hold if in some moments we can't deal with them. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. That's a tough one. None of you are, you have, none of you have masters in the sense of this particular uh, scriptural sense, slave master, but many of you work for people. And sometimes we joke and say, oh, that guy's a slave. That gal is a slave driver. That employee acts like they own us. Well, Colossians says this, slaves obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eyes on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you serve. Ephesians 6 says this, obey just as you would obey Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Ephesians 6.19, because he is conscious of God, he is conscious um, the person who's conscious of God in his obedience. God's the motivation of your behavior. Not whether or not you're going to get caught by the cops. God's the motivation for your behavior. And he's added the government as the rewarder of good and the punishment of evil just to add more more strength his own authority as if he needed that but it's hands-on in our lives for it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God can we live our lives conscious of God asking the question for ourselves every day Lord Help me to do what right, what's right today in this particular situation. Is this honoring to you? Is my attitude honoring to you? Is my actions honoring to you? Are my actions honoring to you? To this you were called, verse 21, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. We're going to pick up our the sermon next week in, in that particular section looking at the example of Jesus, the example that was laid down for us so that we can say, okay, Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered unjustly. And maybe he's possibly the only human who's ever suffered ultimately unjustly because he's sinless. And he left us a staggering example we can read about in the Gospels of how he responded to his arrest, how he responded to his trials, how he responded to persecution, and how he responded to crucifixion. And those are some passages in scripture. I'd invite you this week to read them. Okay, there's a couple of them. Philippians chapter 2. Go back and reread it this week. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 12 through 53. Read it this week. Okay. Philippians chapter 2 is, is the chapter that talks about Christ submitting 
Um, Isaiah chapter 52 and 53, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 to 21. Scriptures that we should be fulfilled from that point us to Jesus. And then obviously the stories in the four Gospels. So Peter's going to example and lay that out for us, that Jesus is our example in this. Does your life resemble him when you bump up against difficulty? That's our hope. That's our mission. That's our duty to be like Jesus, to look like him. When we bump up against people in the world, it says, as you live as aliens and strangers among the Gentiles who don't believe, so that we could be a light shining in the darkness. Father, we're just grateful and thankful this morning to have the privilege, and we still have the privilege, to meet together openly, to read your word openly, to profess your name openly. Many parts of the world right now, because of earthly governments, people are killed and jailed for speaking your name. And Lord, help us not take for granted the freedoms that we have, but help us to live as solid Christian citizens in a world where there's some rules that would seem unnecessary, unfair, and even wrong. We're thankful, God, that we do live under a government where we can vote, we can legislate, we can submit bills. And we can cooperate also with what's been provided through legislation. And we have prayer. And we have the assurance that Jesus, you said, I will build my kingdom and the gates of hell will not prevail. We are your citizens. Thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So we have the privilege to end our service in a couple of songs that we're going to share.